Um, so, hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, who you are, what you do, um, where we are now at the moment? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my name is Sebastian H W. Um, I'm a live artist uh, based in the UK. And uh, I make work that explores memory. Work that explores memory, technology, participation, um, technology, and the body. Wow. Um, yeah, quite a lot of you. But I think and I came to that simply because looking back at the work I've made, those are the three key things that keep coming back. So I've realised I think that's really why I make work about. So it's kind of in retrospect, um, realising what it is I do. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and you are with a Mexican descent yes. ancestry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk us a little bit about your journey, both as a human being, uh, as an artist? Um, yeah, from those two perspectives, okay. Um, so I was born in Mexico, mm -hmm. in um, Guadalajara, uh, which is like an hour outside of Mexico City. It's the second biggest city. Yeah. Um, I was born there to uh, my mum and my dad. My dad is uh, Mexican. Um, he's from the park called the Yucatan, which is a bit on the end of Mexico, if you think about Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's like Belize, Guatemala, okay. Yucatan. Okay. Um, fun fact, it's famous because the meteorite that killed the dinosaurs landed there. Really? Yes. Oh well. <laughs> also famous for the Mayan um, civilization. Um, Mayan civilization and my mum, uh, who is British English. Um, both of them. So, I was born there, lived there until I was seven, came to the UK with my younger sister, um, and we kind of moved around a lot inside the UK before we eventually settled in Birmingham, mm -hmm. which is where I feel I was raised and I feel I've got a strong uh, connection to. Um, grew up in Birmingham, very interesting, difficult place, in kind of way. in some way. Yeah, I guess, I think. In some ways I feel more proud to be a Brummie now than I was growing up. I think it, I love the fact it's a very industrial city, really um, that's such a key part of the heritage and I feel that I brought with me. Um, so idea of like productivity making. Um, but I think as um, when I was growing up the kind of making kind of radical performance work was very difficult too, I think. There's lots of great festivals that happen there. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of year-round support, um, especially for you know, what I realise I, I am or becoming a live artist. Um, it's really good for like dance, acting, spoken words, visual art, but actually intersectional stuff, cross-sectional, very difficult. So uh, I went to theatre school. It was good. Mm -hmm. No, I, I started doing dance and then I went to theatre mm -hmm. school. But successively, I, I became less interested in So I started doing dance, but I didn't feel that my body was represented in the bodies of the dancers I was trying to 
become. Um, went to theatre school, also got very tired of pretending to be other people that I wasn't, or being forced to pretend to be other people, okay. particularly um, um, of different ethnic uh, racial stereotyping, so that was very complex. Um, and, but actually through the kind of theatre school, looking at like devising, I remember doing things like lambda devising. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is great, yeah, you get to make your own thing, you get to tell your own story, your story mm -hmm. that you've made up mm -hmm. as yourself with other people. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Um, and then at college, my friend said, oh, I'm going to this like weird art school mm -hmm. um, called Dartington College of Arts. Uh, he's a prospectus and gave me a copy of the prospectus and I was like... So I went down to the open day and just fell in love with it. It was like the middle of a field, completely alien to inner city concrete jungle that is Birmingham. Um, but hearing about the courses and I'm like, this is the place I want to go. Mm. Um, so I left Birmingham, ran away uh, to the cows and fields <laughs> in Devon. Um, lived there for three years, that was great, best years of my life. Still worked with people that I've met there, mm. definitely. Um, kind of expanded everything I thought I knew about what performance was or nice. could be. And but the only problem is that it's pretty insular, pretty small place mm. again, <laughs> to make what I actually wanted to make. So always wanted to live in London, I've got family here. Mm -hmm. Um and I finished my degree and I thought this is it. If I don't do it now I'm gonna move back and live with my parents and I'm never, it's not gonna happen to me. Um so I came like yeah looking for streets of gold. I then actually moved to Stratford, so mm. Emerald Rose moved back to Stratford, so quick note, where we are now is my studio um, in Stratford, uh, East London. And I moved here in 20, 2011, just for the Olympic Games, so just got really obsessed with all of that stuff that was happening. Um, Did you? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I was in the opening ceremony. Were you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very briefly. Um, that how was come? How, in what in the, the ceremony? In the ceremony. In the ceremony. Well, that just that had like thousands of volunteers, and okay. I was just I was really interested. In, like, how do you make this kind of massive scale performance? Mm. How does anybody do this? Mm. How does Danny Boyle actually make um, this a thing? Uh, it was really interesting because it was all we all had these kind of intercoms, and we all had like time, mm -hmm. and it was like radio. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's like actually, that's been quite bizarrely influential in my practice looking at kind of audio walks and mm -hmm. instructions and um, now helping audiences navigate the performance. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I moved to Stratford and I've been kind of between London and Birmingham ever since, depending on projects. Mm -hmm. um, still really like London, I'm not sure I'm going to be here forever. Okay. Um, but. I now really like Birmingham again. I think Birmingham is kind of like definitely developed. It's becoming more kind of open um, mm. and inclusive to things. You uh, work a bit yeah. with um, Home for Waves and Straits. Yeah. yeah, they're great. Like yeah. they're they're the group. I wish if I had been growing up and they had existed, I mm. may not have left. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I think that they do a lot of really good year-round kind of platforms and stuff. And is it a case of a combination? Is it a combination between Birmingham as a place and the homes for and 
works as well as straight. That makes you think that you would go there, or is it something specifically about your relationship with Birmingham or relationship with, with London that makes you kind of question that? Yeah, I think. I think when, oh I said it now, it's a question of when rather than mm. if, mm. leaving mm. London. Uh, 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 oh, it's on record. It's on record, there we go. No, I think so. Um, I will probably move back to Birmingham. I feel like, I guess I'm quite interested in this relationship of the return. This mm -hmm. idea of like, what happens if when you leave somewhere, but you come back and you brought, you can, what do you bring with you? Mm -hmm. What is that, um, as much as what you've taken from a city. I feel I've taken a lot from Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And I feel like still, I'm still in a point where I want to, develop myself as an artist and figure out what it is that I, want, I can bring back to a place. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not quite sure I'm there yet, mm -hmm. but I think I've come a point when I feel like, yeah, I think when we come back to Birmingham, maybe give back, mm -hmm. start something that maybe should have been there that wasn't when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it would be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows when. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and what are you focusing on now, like artistically? Um, what are, not necessarily in terms of a specific project, but uh, things that are going to your head, uh, things that you're exploring with thematically, but sort of practically? Yeah, I guess that's a really good segue um, mm. into uh, gentrification. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. goes away. Um, yeah, so I think, and there's quite a key. The more I think about it, then there's a big relationship between growing up in Birmingham and then coming here to London. Mm. And I think, I think about it a lot now. I think, and particularly my practice, what I'm exploring is kind of how how artists can resist it, and that role of um, we're both kind of agents and in some level complicit within its perpetuation. But also, we have incredible privilege and we have tools that we can use to counteract it. And I think it's trying to kind of uh, organise and activate that and not dwell too much in the, I know, I, I don't, I, I never want to say it, but like the kind of victim mentality, there's a big problematic term around that, but um, I feel often that be, that's that's a card we, we play, too, play too soon. Mm -hmm. and actually, we need to kind of hop that card back and think, actually, there are lots of other cards we have to highlight and build resistance within. Mm -hmm. Communities and that art can be a way of bringing people together mm -hmm. to kind of fight that in solidarity because mm -hmm. pretty much everyone is affected in it in a yeah. area, particularly London. Um, yeah. But so growing up in Birmingham, yeah. I think we were quite wit we were quite witness to gentrification happening all the time, but it was very normalised. Um, it was often on a very commercial scale. I think if you've ever been to the centre of Birmingham, that has changed constantly and like even since I was growing up mm. like I remember it being very different um even, was, even the boring it's yeah. like it's a really whole like yeah it's a whole world yeah. within it isn't it like yeah. everything kind of revolves around it as a city which I find quite fascinating 
Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. Um, so, but what's interesting then moving to London is suddenly how kind of politically active people were to resist it. I think being in Birmingham, but, you know, maybe I wasn't, I didn't notice it, or I didn't know about communities and groups that were working against it. Um, whereas coming to London, it is, there's a lot more political activation against it, people trying to resist it. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel I'm, I'm quite keen, I think my practice at the minute is trying to learn what is being done, what are these groups, and what, um, what role. have and also shouldn't have within the process of gentrification because often it can get co-opted into mm. art washing um, and that is not a good thing and from my perspective. Yeah. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, art washing. So yeah. it's a term that is quite recent. a good example of art washing is when a property developer um, commissions an artist to paint a mural on the side of a hoarding mm -hmm. that surrounds their new development building, a, a potentially development that has displaced a former development uh, like social housing. Um, so often art washing is mostly kind of more like public art, visual art. But I think now it's also being kind of being co-opted into live art performing arts um, in similar ways, in that sense of like creating oh, creative capital and mm. um, creating temporary events that kind of slightly boost morale and all mm -hmm. of that. Um, so I guess I'm interested in not doing that, that okay. role that live art can that shouldn't have mm -hmm. shouldn't have that role within that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I feel there's, yeah, I feel I think I, I reflect back on my growing up in Birmingham a lot with what it means to be here in London now and see it like reading and mm. being part of people who are really actively against it. Mm -hmm. um, does that change your sense of, that you know, seeing the current uh, landscape of London kind of changing or places that are usually inhabited by artists kind of having a a very drastic change in the way they operate or the way they're inhabited. Uh, does that change your sense of uh, belonging to this town? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because in some way it's something that I guess as artists we were drawn to, <coughs> I definitely was drawn to being in East London because I knew that's where I wanted to kind of continue to be a live artist. And, that's where I knew the communities there were and the support networks of like mm. institutions uh, as well as individuals. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time you can also see, even just being here within, I've been here seven years, no, eight years, um, seeing how drastically that kind of creative capital can like change uh, areas. Yeah, like I live in Stamford Hill which is like just between Stone Newington and Tottenham mm -hmm. and seeing that the kind of almost kind of leapfrog effect of um, kind of artistic communities moving from Stone to leapfrogging like over Stamford Hill uh, into Tottenham 
um, is quite, and seeing like how autonomy is changing mm. from when I first moved there, it's like mm. really noticeable. Um, and also, what can we do? You don't have to have like a, a specific answer to this, actually. But like, how the fuck are we gonna stop uh, local councils and local developers using artists as a as a as a kickstarter of the gentrification? Because yes. like, if you look at, for instance, Brixton is a good example yeah. of that. Like, you know, ten, twelve years ago, the council made initiatives on purpose to kind of get artists to come in and reside in the city, in the town. And so for very cheap prices and you know very affordable um, prices for artist studios and stuff like that, which brought a whole new wave of specifically white people <laughs> to the neighbourhoods and kind of made it um, more perhaps what councils perceive as more socially accepted. Yeah. What, and I suppose, like it's more of a sort of a provocation. Like, what the fuck can we do to counterfeit that? You know, like specifically livelihoods for artists is so dependent on council schemes and and low rents and and affordability. That can we avoid being pawns of gentrification yeah. in a way? Yeah, I mean, we probably can't. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't say I have the answers mm. yet. I ever will. Mm. Um, I think what I at the minute what I'm researching is how or like getting involved with is mm -hmm. how can you kind of divest time energy resources into activist groups that are already working because mm -hmm. often what's and in that sense of learning about what has happened always has still happening wherever you've moved into and kind of getting involved with that I think because those those groups have kind of already existed before we arrived, and they're kind of, they, they need our support, they need mm. people, just whether that's time, often it's not solely financial. So at the minute I'm working with Focus C15 campaign, mm -hmm. who are based in Stratford, mm -hmm. um, who uh, in 2014 occupied a house here on the Carpenter Estate, the studio is, um, trying to look a lot at the, kind of like the archive and the, like the legacy, which is a big term that's thrown around a, uh, a lot, post, both during and post Olympics, mm -hmm. um, into yeah, how, what, how can the kind of the privileges I have as an artist be used for their cause. Mm -hmm. That kind of sense of divestment, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. divesting um, that back into actual kind of direct action mm -hmm. um, means.
So um, it's interesting to me that talking about um, gentrification and that being a point of focus for uh, the work that you're doing at the moment, but also how you as a, as a, a, a migrant artist of Mexican descent navigates the process of gentrification because it's, gentrification is quite a white middle class phenomena, right? And I wonder if you can uh, explore a little bit about your your presence within gentrification as an artist, mm -hmm. but both as a white passing yeah. uh, individual. Yeah. Because uh, even though you, you are Mexican, um, there are specific traits about you that people might not necessarily yeah. deem as a, as you know, as a migrant. Yeah, way. absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I. Yeah, I think I navigate it through the sense of knowing that I made a choice um, to kind of come to London, to move to London, I move particularly to East London um, for, my, for lots of reasons, um, and thereby I'm potentially um, an agent of pushing out a community that is already here um, further out of London. So, in terms of kind of like, kind of the problematics of like being white passing, yeah, definitely, I think, being both kind of um, having like a British passport, um, uh, speaking, you know, English, um, having a, you know, having a white mother, um, I come a lot with that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely something I think, of, I try and think about. Um, but at the same time, I feel, I have been, especially moving to Stratford, I remember moving to Stratford in 2011 and moving to a house where like, no one spoke English, it was a house of just migrants, um, uh, particularly Eastern European migrants. Um, and that was really interesting, and then suddenly moving to somewhere where I can communicate with people, and they can communicate with me, trying to navigate living together. same time I also don't think I have it's a lot of um, I'm always skeptical skeptical about how much white privilege I have and whether how that sh shifts through time through me growing up um, and whether and that sense of whether it's something that is inherited but also performed whether it's something that is um, through I guess through kind of taking um, through kind of you know self-identifying as an artist mm -hmm. is that is that not? Is that something that is owned by whiteness? Not necessarily. Mm. Big conversation to have. Or <laughs> well, owned, defined owned. Yeah, defined owned. Yeah. yeah, whether I guess from my experience of like growing up and seeing that kind of, I guess only seeing that kind of um, being an artist was something. Most of the people that I studied and a lot of the um, the people that I look up to were were kind of white. Mm -hmm. So there was that kind of sense of not role model, but seeing that sense of um, to be an artist is to have a certain kind of white privilege to be able to go to art school mm -hmm. and 
yeah, that was I think only quite recently what I particularly like about being within kind of library mm -hmm. circles is that that is something that is being dismantled. I feel and more recently, people that space is being made for people who are not white, who are not middle class, mm -hmm. who are not um, uh, heteronormative to inhabit and mm -hmm. take back, take back okay. that spaces. Yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. Of um, the. First performance I saw of you was a performance at um, a performance space in yeah. Hackneywick, back in the good old days. The good old days <laughs> of Hackneywick. Um, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. Over the park over there. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can see it from here. just see it a little hi. bit. Hi PS, yeah. hi Lada. <laughs> They're now not there anymore. No. So, yeah. But they're still live yeah, there yeah. in our hearts. Spiritual home. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think that's where we met, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And at the time you were taking part in this uh, performance event mm. that were, and you did a performance called Checkpointo. Yeah. That's to say correctly. Correct, yes. yes. Uh, Checkpointo with your dad. Yeah. Correct. And I remember I was really intrigued by it because I found that there was a really interesting kind of spark. and uh, dynamic between you and your dad because it felt to me like you were trying to find a sort of a common language, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, correct me if I read this really wrong, <laughs> but it felt like common language in the sense of like uh, as a father and son, of course, but also as uh, migrants, as mm -hmm. people who uh, your dad grew up elsewhere for much longer yeah. and you grew up here for much longer than yeah. either anywhere else. So it, it felt to me like a, a meeting point of different cultures, mm -hmm. uh, but sort of similar heritages, you know what I mean? Um, and I wonder how, like, how are these subjects, in a way, in that performance, but also from your work since then, the subject of, like, uh, personal heritage and common language, uh, your Mexican, Mexican heritage and your English heritage, yeah. um, how, that how that feeds into your practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that is that yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah. The question. Yeah. yeah. I think so. With the PC saw, mm. um, we were invited to perform at a festival in Berlin, uh -huh. um, and I, well, before, but well, I got the invitation, and then I was like, oh, I really want to make peace with my dad, and my dad was like, I really want to go to Berlin, and we said, like, well, Why don't we work together? Mm. Um, and I think often when I work. Um, I think at that point, and I guess there's element still to what, how I make work today, when I make work on my own, it often becomes a lot about the relationship with memory and like ancestry mm. and family, something that continually keeps coming up, um, for better or worse. Um, mm. And so I thought, okay, so it's something interesting, that's interesting, you know, dynamic we set up, like both of us are going to perform live um, through our process, so my dad is a visual artist um, and a uh, poet. How do I then, how do we find a common language through these two mediums? How can we bring both elements of that to be performed live? Um, and I, in my research, from bef like before I approached that piece, I always wanted to make a piece about, um, there's a, a story and news footage of a boy that was shot at the Berlin Wall, trying to cross over as a defector from east to west. Um, Peter, Peter Fechter. Okay. There we go. 
Um, <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. I've got the internet out. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, I'm pretty sure Peter Fechter. Um, and he was shot by troops on the east. Um, but because he, he was he was shot in the hinterland, mm -hmm. which is this contested space between east and west, as a kind of like not a neutral zone, but it's one of these zones that are created in particularly um, militarized borders, mm -hmm. where it's meant to just be a no man's land okay. between two sides, um, so that the border isn't exactly a switch. There's this kind of uh, liminal space uh, between the two, and he was shot and bled to death for an hour because neither side wanted to intervene to save him. Okay. So the, the West didn't want to jump over and um, protect him for, for fear of what might happen um, and the East, they didn't care. So we took that story um, and then we compared that with stories of uh, how um, young men are kind of shot at the border between Mexico and the US and looking at the sense of like media and mm -hmm. Uh, family and narrative and trying to think about what um, what are those shared stories between that mm. and then through that kind of story we then through my talking to my dad I found out a lot about his experience particularly of going trying to cross the border mostly through work um, mm. to between the US and Mexico and that sense of constantly being questioned constantly being asked what um, what, what he was doing um, which is something that still continues today, mm. particularly uh, that, that president, um, who we do not speak his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think I just became really fascinated by the stories that he told, told me, um, and trying to find ways of like, creatively like, representing them on stage mm -hmm. um, in a space. Um, yeah. No, like, okay. It was quite a process. I mm. think we came out of it thinking we definitely want to keep working together, but we're not sure whether. Mm. So it brought, it, like a lot of pieces, it brought out more than actually we first anticipated. Mm. Yeah. So, that's a question. I think going, yeah. going back to more about, I think from then I've thought more recently about food mm -hmm. um, and heritage of family. Yeah. So the last show I made. Um, I saw. Chocolate. Chocolate. Another invented word. I <laughs> <laughs> love my invented words. Mm -hmm. um, was yeah, kind of a live cooking show looking at the history of chocolate because I feel that's the food that I identify most with. Mm -hmm. Chocolate having been invented mm -hmm. in Mexico, the cocoa bean being native. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> but then having this long colonial history of moving to Europe mm -hmm. and travelling through Europe and then arriving to via Spain, Italy, France into the UK, into England, um, and cabbage chocolate being made in Birmingham. Uh, and I have very strong memories, one of my strongest memories of, of arriving in the UK is going into Cabri World, which is this kind of like <laughs> mega corporate fun fair ride um, inside the factory. And the first thing you walk into is this fake Mexican jungle. Mm. And you get, you know, lots of ads to like, dressed up as Aztecs and been given a taste of mm. Aztec chocolate and how much I hated it. it was <laughs> but then that setting it was problematic. I'm like, oh, well, I should like this, it's my culture, why don't I like this? Um, so yeah, it shows me cooking chocolate on stage, talking about that problematics of uh, food appropriation, mm. family sacrifice. Um, yeah, 
so and I, so I continued like talking uh, more collaboratively talking to my dad, uh, but rep, but not performing with him on stage more or less this kind of as I would be recording. Um, so, uh, thinking about uh, more contemporary um, sort of settings for you as an artist that there's a person, um, but obviously this is uh, comes with its own heritage and baggages. I'm just thinking of you as a as a someone who identifies as both a queer and a migrant mm -hmm. artist, um, and you've discussed before how these two kind of things have an influence on you, right? I wonder if you could expand a little bit on how these two labels, if you want to call them that, um, or if you refuse to call them as labels, do expand on that as well. But um, how do they how do they contribute to um, you as a as a as a person who lives here right now and as an artist who's making work? Yeah. Yes. So I guess. kind of the migrant label is difficult because on the one hand yes because I've moved I wasn't born in the UK I moved here however I got the massive privilege of just being given a UK passport mm. to birthright with my mum mm -hmm. um, and I think that topic of like the passport is something that I've been thinking a lot about I recently made some workshops where we could have a fake passport making office uh, we made British passports um, we got some talking about some. Here we go. Let's get one out for the camera. There we go. This is a blank one. Ready, nice. Ready to be made. Um, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll do you want to do that? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it looks so realistic, doesn't it? Look completely. Yeah. Bat an eyelid at it. Border control. <laughs> um, and thinking about kind of the, that privilege of being that kind of odd space of being both a migrant but also having an automatic privilege to enter the UK mm -hmm. and like uh, have all of the rights that that comes with mm -hmm. um, and also thinking about like who owns the passport like do you know all the passports are owned by the Queen? God, every fucking thing is owned yeah, by the Queen in this country yeah, absolutely. and also the Queen because she issues a passport she doesn't need to have a passport so you can travel <laughs> anywhere in the world because yeah, she's the sovereign of the realm of uh, Britain, um, and yeah, all that. So that got me thinking. So mm. think about the ownership of the passport, and with Brexit, mm. this idea of like what, what, who, how would the passport change? What does it mean? What does a British identity mean? What does an English identity mean? Mm. So I think I've always more identified as being British more than English. I don't. I've never quite understood what the English. identity means mm. in that sense um, and, and obviously it's, it's are they like Russian dolls it's like is one inside the other what is that it's an interesting one isn't it yeah. sorry it was just because I was having this conversation uh, recently with FK Alexander about this because we were part of this festival that was called An English Family right and then but the English Family title is part of it's like out of a Portuguese novel it's not necessarily to do with um, Englishness put it that way mm. um, of the participants in the festival and then we were like we were making a joke about how only of all the artists participating in the festival, only one was actually English. Yeah. And we thought maybe we should call it a British family. Mm. Um, 
And then it kind of raised the question of like, oh, actually no, because that would bring a lot of other questions about yeah. what is Britishness what and, British, and yeah. why is Scottish and Welsh and Northern Ireland um, artists might not necessarily, or people might not necessarily identify as British. Mm -hmm. Because actually British mentality or British identity is, is but in many ways is English identity. Yes. Like the idea of Britannia yeah. or Britain um, it comes from a colonial path as well. Yeah, absolutely. It? Yeah, and I think yeah. it's important to acknowledge that. Mm that complexity of I also have both being having a kind of colonised past in mm. terms of being Mexican um, but also being a, having a colonial colonised past really yeah. and that yeah. kind of set up this, com this um, complex kind of like meeting of what how do you how can you be both mm. can you be both is that mm. a contradiction in terms of oxymoron um, but I think I definitely I definitely have always felt more British than I have English mm because of the sense of needing to acknowledge that English have, been, have created the British Empire um, and that is something that you need to think about and you need to kind of find ways of what does it mean to you, how can you dismantle it, how do you understand and bring to light that history. I remember how little we were taught mm -hmm. that what the British colonial history in mm -hmm. at school. It was all uh, medieval, Tudor, all of that kind of like golden era when we were an entirely insular um, nation actually when it comes to kind of 18th, 19th, 20th century that's just, we're going to just skip to World War Two and remember how oppressed we were uh, or like how, how difficult it was for us to fight the Germans yeah and that's very cleverly forgotten and erased um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so with all this in mind, um, you have uh, a, a new project coming yes, up, yeah. Transient Borders. Yeah. Bo borders. Borders, yeah. Borders. Like hotel, bo like borders. Mm. B O A R D E R. Okay. Uh, obviously, play on word, but actually, it's a technical term in mm -hmm. hotelier speak uh, uh -huh. when people who are living in a hotel for a longer, who are considered residents rather than kind of temporary guests, uh -huh. they're considered transient borders. Borders. Um, so that is a project where I am interviewing uh, people um, who've been displaced out of London, uh, who've gone to live. Some, most, actually, most of them are not um, at the minute hotel borders, but displaced out of London and living in cities outside uh, around the UK. Okay. Um, interviewing people that I've met through working with the campaign group because um, okay. they've got the strongest like connection mm -hmm. um, to that particular group of people. And I guess what I'm interested in with this project is 
in some way I think I'm kind of thinking ahead might be sooner than I want of mm. um, that question of how will I anticipate how do I how do people anticipate what it's like to move to an entirely new different city how do people make the best of a choice um, that was kind of given to them and how that kind of reflects my own um, reflects kind of my own narrative of being um, of a migrant arriving in the UK and moving around the UK to living in different cities um, and might be my eventual narrative of moving out of London potentially back to Birmingham trying to kind of create a kind of what is that relationship between those stories um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's definitely in development yeah. Yeah. Means uh, means a lot of travelling. Okay. Around, around, <laughs> around UK. Um, most of the people um, are kind of within, and not that far from Birmingham, like Canterbury, Brighton, um, Birmingham, Oxford. Mm -hmm. So I've gone so far. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I'm interested in kind of what are their memories of London? What was it like? What did mm. they feel? It's like being here. What was it like to suddenly arrive in a new place and kind of navigating that sense of in a sense, kind of being um, kind of infranational migrant, in a sense mm. of not, is migrancy just something of crossing the border from one country to another? Mm. What happens if you're then that sense of movement, the transience from one? Um, one home to another. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Great. Um, and when can we see this? You can see this. Here's uh, <laughs> <laughs> my plug. <laughs> um, at Theatre Delhi Southwark, which is the okay. old uh, library, Burgess Park. Here in London. Here in London, yeah. Yep. Um, part of Scratch Night on 11th of June. Okay. Yes. We'll put that on the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so much. No worries. It's been thank a you. pleasure. It's been okay. thank um, you. We will put everything up online and all that. Cool. But um, this is Seb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>